episode 21 first one all by my lonesome uh if you're a first time viewer you might not know this but any of the fans will know i have quit ski mask media i've quit the ski mask collective uh we got to address the elephant in the room because i know there's a lot of rumors circling around fans was going to get fired i did fans quit this that and the other so i'm just going to give it to you straight uh i just decided to strike out on my own uh, love those guys. There's no bad blood as on my side, as least as towards ski mask or, or obviously me to, or Stancil. Uh, I don't know how he's feeling. I uh, love the kid to death. I got no ill will towards him, but I just wanted to let all the fans, all the listeners know that I did in fact quit this morning. I talked to ski mask and uh, started all my own fucking, you know, started my own YouTube, started my own uh, RSS feed, whatever you call it for the audio. So anything else you hear about that complete fake news. So you're hearing it from the horse's mouth. I quit. It's just offensive now. Love those boys. I wish them great success. I'd love to have them on and go back on their show whenever. And I'm obviously probably still going to chill with them. So that being said, we got it out of the way. Let's introduce our fucking guest today, dude. You know him from Scumtown, being Bam's manager and all his shenanigans. And also those couple episodes of Cumtown that are fucking huge. Vinny fucking Beetle. What's going on, brother? Hey, man. How you doing? Nice to meet you. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate Dude, it. Thank you for coming on, taking the time. Vinny, I fucking loved you since uh, I heard you on Comptown. You're fucking hilarious. All the <laughs> escapades you get into. I've heard quite a few stories. Uh, not just like obviously on <coughs> on podcasts and shit, but my buddies who are in uh, like the Connecticut comedy scene and shit like that. But we got a lot to talk about, my friend. We're going to get into all that. So, uh, but yeah, dude, the first time I heard you was on um was on Comptown that episode you did with with Gene and Bam the fucking the fucking uh uh were you guys at Gene's club is that why he was on there yeah I had uh I had been producing shows at Gene's club for some time and we um had a show the night before no no, no yeah it was the night before at Gene's club so it was a good place uh for Bam to meet because you know it's like talking to a child sometimes when you like are giving him directions. So you yeah. have to, you have to be like, it's the same place we were at last night. Cause they wanted us to go to Nick's place in Brooklyn, but it just seemed like it would have been, there would have been too much from jeans club to Brooklyn that would have been in the way Bam yeah. not being there, you know? So we were at jeans club. It was called central stage and it was actually jeans brother's club and jeans brother brought him in to help him run the club and gene had to bring in a bunch of money and then the brother ran off i think with like 50 or 100 grand it was something like that <laughs> and so gene was kind of left hanging and that's how i met gene and he mm -hmm. didn't you know he's a singer and he knows how to put together stuff he's a hustler great guy and you know he wanted me to get big names in there for him you know he believed that big names would sell tickets i mean we were in yonkers in like a shopping center so it was really is that where that was because i don't know is it, it's in yonkers oh, yeah it's fuck, in yonkers man. new york yeah and we we did a show at Artie lang actually uh before that at gene's place uh which is a another awesome you know experience but so gene and me had been like had a rapport already you know and yeah. and i had known him for a while and i still uh, talk to him a lot, you know, and, and he's begging me to get back into my hustle mode, you know, because he really loves that about me. Um, but I'm just trying to do things a little more strategically these days. And sure. I feel like I, um, I mean, a lot happened, you know, so it was just yeah. time to kind of regroup and he's not figure. shut down through this, a fucking comedy club in a strip mall. And so that club is gone, but oh, Gene, gotcha, still, gotcha, gotcha. Gene still lives on 
and that guy is like this club is him it did it was just four walls really it's like that mm-hmm. guy is what made that place you know yeah, so yeah, yeah yeah he was I feel like anywhere man. he goes yeah yeah he's dude he the guy great. and that's one thing i've been telling uh the Comptown guys like gene wants to go on the show and he, he wants to come on here he wants to go on anywhere he can uh, he's a really good interview, man, because he's one of the only old school guys left that's on the Internet, but doesn't really know, like, what's <laughs> yeah, yeah, going yeah, on, yeah, kind yeah, of, yeah. you know, so I don't know. Yeah, he was great, man. I mean, he fucking crushed it on Comptown, which they don't have many guests, but I mean, that's a hot, especially for like an old guy who doesn't even know who the fuck they are. You know what I mean? He did. Well, it was unbelievable. Well, I mean, I, after the first time I went on Comptown, I got a, I got I got it hard from the fans like. I was voted on YouTube as like the worst guest ever and all this craziness and like hundred hundred things read you know written about me on Reddit and all this oh, stuff. For sure. But you know, I didn't know at the time that was a good thing because that's actually I was getting most of the attention from the show. But yep. Bam and Gene, great guests. Like overall, I feel like it was a like almost like a special for come town. Like once a year, they should bring on like five different guests like that and just blow everybody out at once. You know, they love bam. So having them on, I mean, why else would they drive out to Yonkers from Brooklyn? You know what I mean? They're not going to drive out there for, you know, I never listened to the show really. Like uh, I just had a bunch of people hit me up when I started doing the stuff with bam saying, go on come town, go on mm-hmm. come town. And uh, you know, so they I always like, talk about bam. They love right. Them. So we actually had a show that same day booked at um, Anthony on Anthony Cumia. Yep. So I was like, oh, let's double down and try to get like as many shows as we can. So I called, you know, I hooked up with these Comptown guys and they didn't want me on the show at all. Of course, you know, like obviously I'm nobody to them and I didn't really even know how big their show was really. But, yeah. you know, I'm like, why the fuck am I doing all this? I'm going to be on. I don't care if they hate me. Like, that's just the way it is. Me and Bam. It wasn't like a show where I opened for Bam. Me and Bam were on stage together the entire time. So we were the show together collectively. I actually spoke more than he did on stage because he didn't really know what to do. So I feel as though to promote the show properly, that's the way to do it. Yeah. Know? And also you were kind of like, I mean, would you? Is, were you his manager? Is that what you would his manager no. was there. I would I would classify myself as his tour manager. Somebody okay. that, yeah, yeah, that yeah. handled the tour only. Like he has a lot of facets to his life. He's a skater, he's an artist, he's a musician, he's this, yeah. he's that. So I don't really control any of that other Got shit you. except the tour, really. And okay. I wrote with him. I wrote I tried to do a lot of writing with him and uh I spent a lot of time with him as a friend, you know what I mean? But that I mean, besides that, I did the comedy, of course. And I organized all the shows, but I had been doing that before I met him anyways, you know? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause you were a comic before you met him. That's how you guys kind of hooked up and started being like, Hey, let's do comedy type shows. Like whatever he's doing, he's just talking to the fans basically. Right. He's not doing stand up. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, essentially he's telling tried. stories and he shit. Tried. Right? Yeah, he tried. Yeah, he had yeah, good yeah. moments. And then yeah. we did stunts on stage. We'd kick people in the balls or slap them in the face and shit. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it kind of evolved as it went, but we only did about four or five and then, we had a whole bunch booked and, and he would kind of cancel them one by one, but not cancel them until last minute. Like always keep me hanging. Like, don't worry. Things are going to, you know, and as it got worse with him canceling, he was convincing me that it was more of an angle for me to grow because he was convinced that he weren't going to like me uh, for being like funny. And like, they were going to like me for hating me. And, and, you know, he really fueled that into me that the reality, like he's not a comedian. So the reality TV aspect of it, would be that if they hate me, they're still watching. And yeah, so like no bad press, no such thing. But he never showed yeah. up. It was like he always would say, you know, the big bang is going to be when we finally do shows again. And like all these people are like, you know, they were fucking with us or something. But then he just never did it. And it's because alcohol and meth and Adderall, whatever the hell he was doing, took over. And it just was too much for him to kind of 
his promises were too much that he can handle. We've all been through that, but you know, yeah, he's a it was at a grander player. scale, you know, for sure, dude. He's on like a whole nother level of like he's been that famous since I was a fucking kid, dude. I remember watching MTV like Channel Twenty Eight when there was like seventy channels, and like he'd be on there, you know. And he looks like a completely different person now. You know what I'm saying? He's turning into Phil, but, but so he that- is. He does have that like teenager spirit though. It's super strange. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because it's like that skater thing. They kind of when you're a skater, you kind of like you don't really develop past you know your early twenties. You're just like I'm still skateboarding and partying and fucking chicks. Well, and, so and he even became you know. famous even before his twenties. So I think he never really exactly. I think, al- I think alcohol was his only way to evolve as an adult. Like I could drink yeah. and party, and I'm an adult now. You know what I mean? Like so that was his thing. Was like obviously booze, but meth. It was he no heroin, nothing like that. No. I didn't see I didn't even see him really do anything besides like his daily Adderall, which seemed more like a prescription. It was in a prescription bottle. But uh, what I would hear later on after the destruction, you know, the first time I um, he canceled shows at Westside Comedy Club in New York City uh, the next day, I was, you know, on the hook for a hotel bill he trashed and all this, you know, canceling the show and all the money we put into the productions for the show and other future things he was canceling and and I called his dad and his dad actually, you know, like gave me about four or five grand. If I drove to Philly to get it, you know, and like helped out that one time. Damn. But his dad was like, yeah, you know, when Bam's on the crack, he acts kind of funny. You know? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like crack. I, yeah. I, it's the first time I heard of that. I swear yeah, to God. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, well, it explains a lot. But, you know, when you're dealing with a guy from Jackass, the extreme measures he goes to in public and shit, you're kind of thinking he's trying to impress you. So you're not sure if it's fucking crack or not. I mean, it's not like he smelled like weed like I do or anything, you know. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, but then I ended up finding out, you know, once you get into like Bam's circle and you actually start to run things, which people hate to admit it, but I did at one point, you know, you you start to see the people around and, and one guy really wants to like you. So he comes up to you and he's like, you know, I know who gets Bam meth. And that's the first time I heard that. So it's super weird. I'm in like his house and I'm like, you know, I went to his parents and even, and, and I don't give a fuck who hears this honestly, but I went right to Phil in April and I was like, you keep blaming me like when stuff happens, but you know, I'm telling you, like, I'm not normally like a snitch, but I know who's getting a meth. If you really, if, if you guys are trying to put this on me and you really think that this is a problem, like I know the people around him that are causing it and they were, they wanted more, to push the narrative that him being at shows or in public doing appearances was going to put him on meth. And I tried to convince him that, you know, like, obviously if he wants to get high, he's going to get high, but for sure, dude. you know, you know, he doesn't. And he even said that to me, I don't need Vinnie Beetle to get a six pack. And he would Mm -hmm. say that in front of people too. You know what I mean? But the, the bottom line is, uh, I do think you could limit how many meth dealers are around him. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 for sure. You cut off the it's not like I sell meth, dude. I don't. I don't know where to get it, you know? So Another thing, though, an addict's going to find his shit, bro. You fucking say his best friend, so-and-so, selling a meth, dude. He'll fucking be walking well, around that, well, whatever the, avenue looking for it. You know? That was the scary thing about working with Artie was um, Artie would always joke on stage. It wasn't really a joke, but he would always say, I'm, I'm staying, you know, at the Marriott room 306, bring me as many drugs as you can. And he would say that every night on stage to the crowd. And, uh, you know, not only his best friend, Dan, who was his security at the time, also was getting high with Artie, I'm sure. But, you know, me, I had to stop many fans from giving him drugs, like in the middle of the show and stuff, you know. Oh, shit. Like, oh dude. You're talking about like Did guys you work with him 30s. before, Bam? Yeah, 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 okay. yeah. And you're talking about guys in their 30s and 40s, like coming up to him, like, hey, Artie, I love you. You want to party? And he's trying to like put it in his hand. And I'm like, dude, get the fuck out of here, man. Like it might have been cocaine a few times, but it's just, they'll do it. 
They yeah. love them and they think that they're a party. And obviously these are people who are probably addicted as well. So they want to party with the famous person, you know, mm-hmm. but the craziest part about Artie was he actually had a lookalike uh, dude in his twenties who actually dressed uh, just like him, uh, sa- tried to sound just like him, everything. He was much younger than him. I and- think I've seen this guy online. And he's he like was an Artie the- impersonator, right? Well, he was a guy that would uh, always make sure Artie got to a hotel, got drugs. They would do drugs together. And he was another character I found out, you know, I was working with him. So, you know, what's funny is these people are kept down low around these big celebrities so long that when someone like me comes around and starts shaking things up, they'll easily all band together and just fucking like. Oh, yeah, but get the out. fuck out of here. It was just. Well, that and, and, yeah. and scapegoat you out. You know, like the other thing about Bam is he has such powerful friends, like, for example, Steve-O, you know, and like I never met the guy uh, or anything, but, you know, basically his Bam's wife or. Uh, his manager would call him and say, you know, uh, Vinny doing these shows is directly leading to Bam doing meth. And Steve-O would, you know, start to threaten me and shit. And it would be like... Because he's sober now. He's like, fuck that. Because he, he just hears this and goes, fuck this guy, right? Exactly. And, he, yeah. you know, his thing is, too, is he's really stupid, I feel like. Like, truthfully, just because he's famous and, like, makes a lot of money and shit. Like, he's kind of dumb because he... he always, he's he, just like, a dumb guy, whether he's yeah. sober or fucked up, for sure. Yeah. Like, dude, his best thing that I ever liked was 50 Cent throwing him down a flight of stairs. <laughs> So, you know, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah. to me, that's I don't know. But anyways, I felt that his a lot of his energy because he was coming at me the hardest and never even met me was because me and Bam shows were really doing ridiculous numbers of people. Not only were we doing tons of people, I mean, between two and four hundred people, but we were also selling tickets between like 60 and like 500 bucks. You know, yeah, so, you guys were crushing it for that little short span where like you were doing that before. Yeah, because obviously you did come that episode of Comptown. And but they, if you, th- you know, if you think about gone, it, right, right. If you think about it, you know, I mean, everything like. I actually just got leaked uh, some emails last week from one of the promoters that lost money during this process with Bam in Boston and the kid, you know, I've only been able to send him a little bit of money here and there to try to pay it back because I don't have that kind of money. Like when this fell apart, realistically between my business and others, there could have been close to 150 grand just dumped down the toilet. What? Can you, you say know? what comedy club? Cause that's where I'm at is Bo- it was a Boston comedy club or not? It wasn't. No, it's was, it, see the thing with Bam is like comedy clubs weren't booking us, but we were getting booked through uh, just like super, you know, fans or people that wanted opportunities to work with Bam. So it's like whatever venue, whatever venue we could, and and they had to be big enough too, because Mm -hmm. of like the first one we did in Detroit had 400 people there and they were all standing. So it was like a really like, you know, comedy clubs, it it wouldn't be good. We did do places like jeans or we tried to do West side, but you know, Bam destroyed West side comedy club when he got there. So I'd say that was his freak out, right? The video you see him in the fucking way the, uh, the front area there. Yeah. So, I mean, if you want to talk about that, like that's, that's a cool story. So, uh, the night before yeah, let's had- go there so you you guys go on come town most of the fans will know exactly what episode yeah bam go bam and Vinny go on come town they do a show at west side and come down is literally like they think it's hilarious which it is they did that he did come down and then immediately like ruined his life even more like he just <laughs> fell off the map immediately after that but go ahead so what happened at that night from your perspective so uh we did come town and then actually it was the next day we were supposed to go to New York uh, City. So actually, I got him a hotel in, outside of Connecticut so I could go home, sleep, wake up, drive back from Hartford all the way through to New York again, pick him up. So I pick him up at about 10 a.m. And he's already got a bottle of vodka in his hands, bro. Like, as, as I'm picking him up from this hotel. He destroyed the hotel. This is the one that Phil paid me for. Oh, he destroyed yeah. the hotel. He went to Michael's Craft Store and bought a bunch of paint and glitter and, like, destroyed the hotel with it. And it, it was fucking insane. And then uh, he had more of that too in his bag and stuff. And 
So he's like, he has the bottle of vodka and he's like normal. He's like kind of, I was so real, bro, that his little act of destroying shit, which he had done probably with a couple dozen other people, when he would see my face, it was like he almost didn't want to do it, but he knew he was like ready to, like he had been so used to fighting. What, he was fighting with his wife the night before because she found him with meth. That's the truth in the hotel room. And they had yeah. the son there too. You yeah, know? yeah, I remember the kid was like on the podcast, Phoenix, right? Yeah, his name? yeah, yeah, yeah. Poor Phoenix Wolf. Kid, man. I, yeah. Got a, I got a one-year-old, man. That's fucked. I got a one-year-old Bro, son. That I sucks. meet Bam for five minutes. I'm with Bam for five minutes of meeting him at his house the first time, and he hands me his son. He's like, hold him for a minute. And I'm like, dude, I'm a fucking stranger. <laughs> Jesus, dude. You know, he'd Let's be see like, what this kid turns out I gotta, like. He might crush I, it. I, no, he's – all right, listen. How's the wife? Is she a nut too or not? I don't know who it is, what she's like. Nikki was very accepting of me at first because we'd have conversations like this and I would say to her, you know, these are the people you don't want around them. These are the people you do want around them. I want to be here to make money. The first time I ever met with Nikki, we sat down at a bar in Pennsylvania with Bam, Nikki, and like 10 of his friends. And I was with two comedian friends of mine and me. And I had explained to him that, you know, and I had said it in uh, King's podcast that I had just done. And I had said that, um, Basically, you know, Live Nation and Detroit had taken so much money from the door, about 75% of it, that even if I made a ton of money off of him, that if I controlled everything, he would make way more money. And we just like, I just showed him flat out that they were giving him about maybe 25% of the total ticket revenue. And it just wasn't adding up. He brought everybody there, you know? So basically after that, he uh, was so stressed out having to make a decision like that to hire me that he stormed out of the restaurant, smoking a cigarette out there furiously. His wife gets up, she smiles at me. She goes, just give me a second. Goes back, comes in, slams like, you know, a piece of paper with their phone numbers on the table. And it's like, you're hired. He likes you. He wants to do it, you know? That must and have been sick. Oh, he's like, yo, this is awesome. fucking Bam Margeri. He's huge. Yeah, like, that's yeah. Sick. to pitch to a celebrity like that. And he's yeah, sober. Yeah. Dude, me and Bam spent a lot of our time very sober together. And that's where I get a super mad at him is we had like so many real talks where I'm like, dude, stop doing this. Yeah, shit. cut the shit, buddy. You know, he could be a multi. I mean, he is a multi multimillionaire. Well, he always, assured, he always you know? assured me, though, that it was all part of a comedy plan, that none of it was going to phase out to be real and that there was going to be a big payoff for me in the end. You know what I mean? And that was mm-hmm. his thing. That was his argument with me, which. Look, man, I mean, I'd done comedy for 10 years and had a lot of like good nights, but a lot of failures. And I just felt like, fuck, man, like this could be my chance. I can't be telling him like I could tell him what to do. I can't tell him like this guy made himself this, you know, like maybe there was something to that, you know, and I, I just gave it a chance. But Nikki, um, you know, there was so they we did this castle band party in the middle of our comedy tour that. They had already done. Was was that the one where everyone pissed in the hot tub or some shit yeah. like that? Yeah, <laughs> oh, they yeah, tried I remember to. that. They yeah, tried, tried to. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The piss hot tub's famous, man. You know, that story's fucking hysterical, but it's been told so many times. Basically, they couldn't fill it, and Bam made me get watercoloring and shit to try to fill it. But <laughs> yeah. it was because a bunch of state troopers had surrounded his entire property and wouldn't let us do this party. And I wasn't really in control of promoting the party at the time. I was there because we had just done some shows and then we're leading into the party and after that we were going on come down and stuff so our, our i actually i don't want to mess up the timelines i do believe no because i think the only reason i know this is because you were plugging he was plugging or you or both was plugging on, on come town on come town we had yep. other shows planned after that though <laughs> i have to re-remember the timeline but we had other comedy shows planned after that so bam had said to me i'm doing this party come stay at my house and then afterwards we'll go back out and do the shows you know what i mean like yep like i and then he also 
uh, wanted me and him to perform our show at this party, you know? So that was like the unfiltered tour was going to be a part of uh, the event when he was about to play his movie. He was going to allow me to do comedy and there was going to be, you know, 5,000 people there and yeah, bands they, and fucking, they, it wasn't dude, him. Did him come or wasn't him? Yellow Wolf, to come? Yellow Wolf's crew, uh, yeah. a bunch of MTV people, Nitro Circus people, uh, Danny Way was there and tons of professional skateboarders and just a bunch of amazing people, man. I mean, millionaires too, you know, yeah, and yeah, like, yeah. you know, just tons of people. And they all were going to see me do my thing because he, the show was for me. He really wanted a best friend. And I think he's found- I feel like a dude like that, you're right, is like, as much as like, he was like, you know, you guys had your moments where you're cool and you're having cool conversations. Then he's like, fuck you, Vinny. And then he's back to normal and blah, 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 He But a guy like that is probably pretty fucking lonely. Yeah. As much as he had his boys, like that whole crew with Jackass dude, and whoever you it, else. You hit it spot on. So uh, those guys all seem so lonely, though. Just not even him, just like millionaires in general. You couple, know, a couple of days before the party, we actually he called me and was like, I had a couple of comedians that would always be with me. And he's like, yo, come meet me here. And it was somewhere in Pennsylvania. There's a bar and Yellow Wolf's coming. And there's only a few people, but it's going to be sold out like maybe 100 people only. And, you know, as I get there, the comedian guys are like parking the car. And Bam is like waiting in the middle of the street and will not go in until I'm with him. And, and that place, we hung out like almost the whole night, but I kind of like let him do his thing. Yeah. And I would, you know, I'm like, I always smoking weed. So I'm like running outside to smoke weed with some friends or some people I met. So I'm not like up his ass. And yeah. I come back in and he's like, um, when I, when I was younger and I did Viva La Bam, um, he was like, you know, there was always like 50 people every day when I woke up, there was 50 people there ready to get me ready to do the show and this and that. He's like, and I just, uh, sometimes I miss that. And he's like, so if you can stay, he's like, um, at my house, I would let you stay as long as you want at the castle. And I said, dude, I have a, you know, like a fiance and a stepdaughter back in Connecticut, like, and a production company and all the stuff I do with comedy. And, and he was like, um, well, because he lets like skaters sleep outside and under the ramp and shit, but he made sure the top suite was for me. And so anytime my wife wanted to come or like, I, cool. yeah, he was a great dude like that. Like he wanted to make me around because he also knew I would keep planning productions and what do productions have people around, you know? Mm. So it's like, he kind of figured like, okay, Vinny could be this guy, but also um, he, he also wouldn't let me like around when he was getting fucked up bad like he, he'd always like say he he actually had me bring Nikki and his son one night to one of his brother's kids plays at a school so he goes you want to go see Jesse play the drums with his kids in a, in a play his brother Jesse from CKY yeah and I'm like I didn't even know Jesse was at the time it's no lie I didn't, I didn't even know and Dude, I was like, I'm just finding out now that his brother was in CKY. I wonder yeah. why they loved him so much Jesse's a fucking awesome guy and actually warned me before I got <laughs> fucked over but what are you going to do? Yeah, uh, exactly. He's a good dude. And so he goes, you want to go see Jesse? And I was like, yeah, dude. Like, I'm just, you know. And he goes, okay, great. Here's the keys to my Range Rover. Bring Nikki and Phoenix over to the fucking school. And I'm going to stay here and edit my movie. And then I'm going to go out for some drinks. And I'm like, what? Yeah, you're like, I thought we were going to see your brother. Like, not like me dude, babysitting your this? wife and your kid. I drive. Now, I also have another comedian, two comedians with me. Okay, I'm sorry. One of them's a younger Spanish dude. The other one's like, oh. He's, he's actually pretty well known, but, but his name is Rodney Norman and he's got a huge gray beard. And like, so it just looks weird when you're yeah. showing up to this an elementary crew, school. Fucking yeah. walking into a school. So I had them yeah. wait in the car at first and I took Nikki and the baby and I'm carrying the baby who was in a car seat at the time up to the school door and April Margera comes up 
And she looks at me like I was kidnapping them, bro. And was like, who the fuck are you? And I didn't blame her one oh, bit. Oh, you never met her yet. Dude, point. Okay, just okay. met Nikki. Just met you're Nikki. Like, hey, you're the woman from the TV show. <laughs> I said, I'm a guy that is a comedian that is uh, supposedly working with Bam on some stuff. And he asked me to give her a ride. And that's all I'm doing and making sure she gets in okay. I'm yeah. like, uh, you know, I meanwhile, you're just some fucking dickhead with her grandson. She's like, who the fuck are you, dude? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. Phil, Phil is a sweetheart. He's sitting there and he's in a wheelchair now and he had like four hot dogs in his lap. And he's like, you want one? <laughs> and I'm like, I just remember him not giving a fuck, you know, about yeah. anything. Well, you got to. He's got to be so numb to all of that at this point. Now, were they, we- let me ask you this. Were they wealthy before this? Because they had like a sick ass house and shit. Like, like the family, like the Majeras in general, Phil and April. Oh, I don't want to say. I don't want to say anything about anything. I don't know. I know that they're great people and they do love their son. I do believe they have been in control of his finances for a long time. I'm not even saying his, I'm saying before Bam was famous. I can imagine because like you watch stuff when he's younger and they would, they have the money to take him to skate competitions and all this stuff. So I imagine Phil was a hardworking guy, you know what I mean? He seems like it. But I do believe that, you know, when you're worth $50 million and you have smart parents like that, they're going to take control of it and make sure that at least most of it is secure. Yeah, imagine if his parents were like real fuck-ups. You know what I mean? Like Britney Spears-type parents where they take over the finance and just rob them of everything. The only thing that I have a gripe with is that, so they paid me the first time and apologized and they were more like, um, you know, at the time, Phil didn't really say like, don't do anything else with Bam. At the time, they were more just like, be very careful what you do. And from then on, we we had really, really planned these a lot better and with more time for him. And he had even gone through rehab and stuff like that. And he wanted to continue to do the shows. It was like it was pushing him to get better, to try to get out there to see his fans again. But uh, when it really fucked up, they didn't want to hear anything. I mean, they literally gave me his manager when he fucked me the last time, his manager said, I think Bam's going to have to pay you this time. He goes, he really fucked up this time. He canceled the day of of a huge, another huge leg of our tour that was supposed to happen. Yeah, hundreds of people. Like you said, $50 tickets and shit. Dude, the venues are putting up money for travel expenses and advertising and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And so everybody's getting fucked left and right, you know? And like, of course, I'm the one, I'm the guy, I'm the one to blame. You know what I mean? And like- Old scumbag Vinny, dude. Well, what really really fucked me up, dude, was Steve-O- Talk. Now, Bam's manager is a two-faced fuck guy because he's the one who hired me, but at the same time, when the castle party was going to shit, he was kind of collapsing and didn't know what to do, and I took over and did damage control because Bam had spent about $100,000 to throw this party. Jesus so Christ, dude. To try to salvage as much of it as possible was the actual goal, and he already took it in about $20,000 in sales he had spent on flights for the celebrities and whatnot, so he couldn't return the money, and his parents weren't going to give him the money to return. So... At one point, I just remember we had gone into three different cities and cops had shut us down into three different cities in two states to relocate the party with only hours to go. And I'm in Croydon, Pennsylvania, screaming at his manager in front of four venue owners at this brewery, two police officers. Like there was a whole crew of people there. The sound production people, CKY's production people were all setting up the stage and everything. And I'm sitting there screaming at this guy going, you don't understand if these fucking decisions aren't made right now, this does not happen. You know, yeah. it, was, it was just a lot of shit going on with putting up the stage and where, and if we could even do the show and do we have enough people coming and do we have enough people to c- control parking and all this stuff? It was a lot of stuff. And that was when Nikki Margera actually went up to Bam and said, you listen to me now, 
Vinny controls everything going forward. And that was the only way I was going to continue working. And so I had complete control of almost pretty much everything at that point. I mean, I remember like 50, 60 skaters showing up, just screaming and chanting my name as a line of people are waiting to get in this place because <laughs> I, at the time I saved the party, you know, yeah, 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 the yeah. next day, man. And it was a wreck too. I bombed for 45 minutes on stage. Oh, brutal. Bam. Actually, they weren't letting them come on and they were like, no dude, let, let this guy fuck like take the heat. Just eat a dick to all these fucking the masses. After about 45 minutes, Bam didn't let that happen. He came on and we did our thing for a little while, which actually just made me feel like even though people around him were trying to push him from me, he was like, nah, man, I'm not going to let this guy sink with my mistakes, you know, but he fucked up a lot of shit because yellow wolf wouldn't even perform. They didn't tell me that. So I introduced yellow wolf as if he's performing. And then he comes on stage and says, I'm not going to perform. Why? They said the sound wasn't right, but the truth was Bam didn't. Obviously, he did it for free, so Bam didn't pay him. It wasn't at the castle in a skate bowl with 5,000 people like Bam had promised. It was 500 people in a fucking brewery somewhere. Yeah, okay. It was, like, just not what he promised, you know? And and the next day, I'll never forget waking up, and I had been – my wife had already been freaking out and, like, wanted me home. And, like, the next day, I just say to myself – and this is a lot of stuff I will include. I ha- I'm writing a book about this, you know, and, and not just about this. I have a lot of other stuff that happened to me in the last three years of my life that has nothing to do with BAM. So it's a small part of the book is going to be about this. But, you know, basically the day after, I remember having to go home to my wife. She wasn't with me through that six, seven day period that I was stuck at the castle. It was even more than that, I believe. And I called Jessica and I'm like, I'm coming home. And I see BAM. I'm like pulling out at 10 a.m., dude. And I see BAM outside. He didn't get drink the, at the party. He had a terrible time. He was stressing the whole time. And he said, dude, you really fucking saved me. He said, you really fucking saved me back there. And I'll never forget it. And he said, um, is there anything I can do for you? Let me know. And I said, dude, can I please book this tour properly now? And can you give me a few months of your life to like, make something of myself. I mean, I really did help you big time. And I remember getting paid like $300 for the party. For the party. <laughs> yeah. A party that was a hundred G's. I got arrested. I got arrested. I, I mean, a lot of shit happened yeah. and I almost went to jail from a previous arrest I had. And so like I paid more in lawyer fees and shit and bail money, but I was like, you know, can we do this? And he goes, yeah, man, he goes, we're going to do it. And not only are we going to do it, we're going to do it bigger than ever. And so there was those moments that make me not stop the fight now to make sure that shit gets either rectified or at least my story gets heard, you know? Yeah. So what's, so let's like wrap this whole thing up. Like, so this happens and then he, the, the potty happens, the West side comedy club incident happens and everyone's on like TV. Well, that's when the wife kind of turns on me because like at that point she just wants Bam home and not out getting fucked up. You know yeah, what I mean? Like a typical wife the with biggest, a son does. The yeah. biggest mistake she made was coming. She wanted to be around him every waking minute and bringing your son and, and her around there. It, it always intensified his, you know, intoxication levels. Like truthfully, whenever she wasn't around, we would perform. He's drunk. He wants to perform for people. He wants us to put on a good show. He wants me to put on a good show. When Nikki's around, it just seems like he's always worried about when she says, don't do this, don't do that. And he gets crazy and it just goes nuts, you know? And so like, yeah. but then, you know, Truth is, I had so much money invested into it at that time that Nikki had called me and said, Vinny, I gave you control. I gave you everything. You have to make sure that nothing goes down forward without me approving it. And I'll be honest, I gave her my word at that time, but 
but I knew that she was going to shut everything down for a long time. And I knew that I had people's money on the lives that they weren't going to put back up because their parents had already said, we are not going to give you the money back. We're not going to pay Bam's fuck up again. So I had talked to Bam's manager and this is where he goes back and forth because he's like the one telling Steve-O, I'm not authorized to book shows, but then he's calling me saying, can we get some deposits? Can we book these shows? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a fucking mess, dude. The truth of it wasn't at, I really wanted to paint the picture when I did the scumbag Vinny thing that I'm Italian and this guy didn't get over on me and I fucked him and this and that. But the truth is, uh, it would only have worked and we had planned this if Bam had come back and done shows with me or going on so, the radio with me. Yeah, so how did it all end? So the West Side Comedy Club thing happens, everyone's seeing the fucking video. And then we went like, on for another fucking six months of just uh, booking just shows debauchery, and just like yeah. it cancels, you do it, yeah. it's a fuck up, it's this and that. And then yeah. how did you guys split? What's the end uh, of you and Bam? So the end of me and Bam was when he was texting, <laughs> excuse me, he was texting me to put together a comedy bit where he, I mean, a lot had gone down, man. This guy was going fucking crazy and wanted to go on Dr. Phil. And uh, I wrote a bit Dr. with him. Dr. Phil Majero. I wrote, wrote, a, <laughs> wrote a bit with him where I was Dr. Phil and I was going to, you know, it was just a bit I wrote, but he was like, I'm taking this to the next level. And so I think that was it. I think because I also have that written down somewhere in his house. We wrote a lot of stuff that I left there that, you know, he actually did go on Dr. Phil and put his family through all the stress and got, you know, dude, this guy was in and out of rehab and getting arrested and all this yeah. shit. And so I kept pushing the threshold of, I don't care if he doesn't want to do these shows, but I need to be paid for this. You know, I need to be rectified. And at one point they were ready to do that. And then I got on the phone with his lawyer and I didn't have any contracts signed with Bam. So the guy's like, Bam gave me directions to fight you until you live under a bridge were his exact words, you know? Damn, so, dude. Yeah. Did his yeah. name end in Burger Steam, this lawyer? Yeah. Of yeah. course it did. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. So that's the end of that. Uh, for now, you know. Yeah, for uh, now. But that was the end of like your relationship as far as that saga. Not really, went. though, because. No, as I, far uh, as that saga went, that was yeah, the well, end I of just, the tours, the fucking trap, I discovered I discovered TikTok and I realized nobody had talked about Bam Margera on TikTok yet. <laughs> so I had posted all our stuff during quarantine from the year previous and it went viral and got like 4 million views and I got like over 60,000 followers from it. Damn, so, dude. Crushing yeah, so it. Plug the TikTok. I'm not on there, but my fucking, my mom is. I my don't mom's even, on TikTok. I, I, listen. Mostly what I do is just steal Bam's Instagram videos and just post up my synopsis of what's really happening. You know what I mean? <laughs> Dude, you gotta, you gotta know what you gotta do, right? <laughs> I guess. I'm just trying to get the word out there, man, is all at this point. because What's your that, TikTok? Plug it real quick. It's that scumbag, Vinny. Um, at scumbag, V-I-N-N-Y, right? Yeah, Not yeah, I-E. Yeah, all right, yeah. word. So that's the end of that for now. We'll see where that goes. Dude, I want to get into, are you trying to fight Nick Mullen? What's going on there? <sighs> Dude. What happened I- with you and the mole dog? So Mullen is one of those guys that, uh, you know, it's very rare that an ego like mine gets humbled, but he is really good at what he does. The and, best, dude. One and of the he, funniest he makes fucking a, people in the he world. He makes a ton of money, and he's good at what he does. He's a good businessman. I actually seen Nick Mullen before he was famous on Comptown. I'm friends with this comedian named Mike Briskin, and he was on the Stars, uh, Stars comedy show. And, and uh, Mullen was one of the comics on the show. I've seen that clip. He talks I, about breakfast cereals, I yeah, believe. Yeah. And I laughed really fucking yeah, yeah, hard. Yeah. So when I had met him at... At the come town recording i had i had actually uh negotiated with stavros to do the show when i showed up i was texting nick beforehand um nick you know was very professional and stuff and you know it was like really to the point that he didn't want me on the show and he didn't know who i was but 
you know, actually he ended up becoming very fascinated with my character, you know, and, and oh, for sure. Uh, they still talk, they talked about you this week. Yeah. And, you know, and, and he, um, had this like whole plan for me to, uh, I don't know if you remember two weeks ago on come town, he was talking about this Mark Halperin tour that he was putting together. And so he, Mark Halperin from MSNBC, he was wanting to put together a comeback tour and, and Nick Mullen was like negotiating with his agent to have me host it. <laughs> you know. <laughs> And like bring no, them I, 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 I don't remember that episode, but Nick, yeah, that's after the great. BAM shit, after the BAM shit fell apart, Nick told me that in confidence was like, do not tell anybody a lot. At one point, Nick will deny this, but he offered me, I wouldn't say a producer spot on come town, but like a producer is someone who produces. So he wanted me to find like unique talent, like maybe gotcha, a bagel gotcha. boss or a, a, you know, a BAM or a Steve-O. He Scout out some Steve-O. real characters. Like he kept talking about yeah. Steve-O, you know, he wanted Steve-O on next. And he thought like I had this connection to jackass and it just was so random. I, Artie Lang went to jail when I was working with him. Bam's manager called me. I met Bam. I never met like the whole jackass crew. You know what I mean? Gotcha, gotcha. So I, I mean, I, I was like, yeah, I'll get Steve. I mean, I was like telling him anything almost, you know, but yeah. he also didn't want me to uh, talk about Bam. He wanted me to like, let that die out, you know, and like, let it come back. And he was smart about that because I did not because it was all I had. So I'm like, my radio show I had started now has listeners in 57 countries. And I know it's because I troll BAM, but that's a, it's not a huge following, but when you have seeds in that many places, I feel like I just was like running with that. Yeah. And um, Mullen w- didn't like that. And I think, you know, like kind of like stopped communicating with me after that. I feel like I started posting about BAM again and stuff and just went off his track of what he wanted me to do, you know? And mm-hmm. um so then I started getting desperate and cause I really wanted to go back on the show really bad after the gene episode, because everybody was like leaving me all my whole production team was quitting because they thought that the scumbag Vinny thing was going to end my career and this and that. And, and uh, you know, I wasn't named scumbag Vinny yet, but they just heard all the stories, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and uh, actually like what ended up happening was I said to myself, fuck all these people leaving me. I'm going to keep fighting to get on Comptown. town. And eventually Nick offered me a redemption episode and I went back on come town. I got to re-listen to that dude, but go ahead. I, I went back on come town and I just played, I didn't want to say play because a lot of it is true too, but I just told them a lot of real stories of some fucked up things I had. And anytime they asked me a fucked up question, I answered it even more fucked up. And yeah, yeah, I just was like, really you lean mean. into it for sure. I got and, you. And then that episode had an even better response it like flipped everybody to me at the time, you know, like come town fans are weird, man. They always say they hate me, but I have a lot more fans now because of that new episode. You know, I, uh, I know a lot of come town fans and yeah, they are very, most of them are very strange. I'll tell you yeah, that much. Most yeah, of them are like severely autistic, really. I think they think up. I would like be a dick to them. I think that's the thing too, is they yeah, think I would yeah, be yeah. a dick to them, you know? But even then it's almost at the point where you're like, you're the fucking bad guy in the WWF. You know what I mean? Like you said, there's no such thing as bad press. Like you lean so, yeah, into you're right. it. You so two I mean? weeks. So Nick is doing a good thing by talking about me and they always plug my podcast and shit and, Look, the last time I, I went like on that the you podcast- just did Scumtown. That's fucking hilarious. You're like, I'll scum- come down with an S. I'm Scumbag Vinny. What's good? Yeah, 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 whatever. You know, I mean, it's just stupid. You know, I don't know. You know, you're still, re- really- still recording it regularly or what are you doing? Not regularly. I just yeah, have yeah. done like 20 something episodes and I do it every time I feel. I've had Shoe Nice on there, the YouTube legend. Shoe like Nice. Some- I've had some cool, you know, Bam had told a couple million people that I love Disney World. So I interviewed some Disney people. Like- oh, dude, that was a big come town thing is how much you love Disneyland. That's what I- they would bring. I up. love Disney. I live 10 minutes from Disney. You ever want to come, dude? We'll go. <laughs> Wait, you, you're, down, you're down Florida? 
I moved to Orlando. Yeah, dude. Oh, I, I got thought you're really, still in, you're a Connecticut guy originally. I got though, no? really deep into the character. I was like, damn, I, dude, you I, moved I, to fucking <laughs> Disney World. <laughs> so you're in, near Orlando. So wait, you're a, a CT guy, right? You're Connecticut yeah, originally. Yeah, yeah. What pot? Because my two, my two of my co, three of my co-hosts, one of them moved from Texas that I just quit, are all Connecticut I'm, guys. I'm Stanford. From East- I'm East from Haven. East Haven. I'm from East Haven. Dude, my fucking host lives in East Haven. My ex, the ex host, Ski Mask. He Ooh. just moved. He just moved there from Texas. Oh, so really? You would. You wouldn't know. Ski him, Mask. Ski Mask. It was the ski. Yeah, Ski Mask Collective. We and he grew up Mask. in East Haven. That's no, 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 no. Oh, he's from, okay. He's from Texas. He just moved oh. up here to like pursue like podcasting and comedy and shit because it's close to the city. But there was four of us, and two of the other ones are Connecticut natives. They're from Stanford and Greenwich. What are their names? Uh, Jim Stansel and, and Matt Mead. I don't, you probably wouldn't know. And they and you quit the you quit the pod. To this morning, yes, dude. Connecticut guys are fucking dude. Please, dude. Connecticut guys are fucking pussies. But I will never say a bad word about Jim Stansel, Matt Mead, or Chuck. Mead. I don't know dude, them. I, I don't know them, them at the all. I'm just saying. Well, here's the, here's the tough, thing, and like know. the fans want to hear this too. It's like Paul, why'd you quit? It's like. Number one, I'm trying to just do my own thing. But number two, they're down in Connecticut. They he just built the studio down there. They're constantly going doing shit in Connecticut, in Atlantic City, Jersey. Sometimes they'll go into the city. I'm in Boston. That's a fucking just to go to Connecticut in the, the middle where East Haven is a six hour round trip. You yeah. know what I mean? I got a fucking kid. Wife, I did it like, all the time, dude. I did dude, it. Dude, I can't time. do it. I can't. I that that was a big part of it. Is like yeah. I can't be involved in all their in person shit. Well, that's why I moved to Orlando. I moved to Orlando because I figured if there was going to be no more shop for me at working with like celebrities and stuff that, you know, there's a lot of tourists here. It's a good place to do comedy. You know, there's a lot of places to probably do it. You know what I mean? So yeah. I was like, my biggest fan, Chad Zumok, lives in uh, moved to Florida to become Florida's greatest comedian. That fucking really? pussy. Well, yeah, now he's got some real talent to compete with. with yeah, me, dude. So. Bro, Vinny, I will fuck. Dude, if you beat the fuck out of Chad Zumok, I will Venmo you $500. <laughs> if you get that on video, that fucking pussy. But um, anyways, so back to the thing. So so Mullen, he was trying to get you. Yo, so, the other. so two so weeks what, ago. Two yeah, weeks why do you, why he, you hate um, him or right, want to fight so, him? Go ahead. So two weeks ago, and this is really personal to me. Two weeks ago, he he... He has this book publisher on that I'm actually talking to now. And Stavros, I heard that guy. I was like, what Stavros, the fuck is this guy doing? Stavros comes on and says, uh, if you want a really good story, go talk uh, to Scumbag Vinny. And it's probably not going to happen with this guy's publication, but like, it's cool to have a publisher talk to me from Gumtown, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm writing a book already that was already happening. So it was like to hear that's that on the crazy. radio. But then Nick brings up the Mark Halperin thing. And that's when I said to myself, he never plans on doing like that with me. So he exposed that he... This is like a year old plan. This guy talked about two weeks ago. I'm like, okay, he brought up Halperin. So like, he's not going to do anything with me. Like as far as creatively like that, I guess. And then this week he comes on and he goes, you know, they're talking about Bam. We should bring Bam back on. And then Stavros goes only just Bam. And I don't, I knew that was a knock at me, but also his manager, Jack, his wife, his kid and Gene were there. So they yeah, probably it's a whole crew. Like, yeah, it with the crew. Yeah, dude, you're, you're interviewing one of the most famous guys in the history of the North. He's going to have his publicist, his fucking manager, this, that, and the other. Exactly. He's, some, he's trying to get sober. He's never going to go anywhere alone ever. Again. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, yep. and so he said that, and then, uh, you know, Nick goes, well, I think we should bring on Steve-O to tell what he thinks about Vinny. And then Adam goes, well, we should have them both on at the same time, but you don't really hear Nick confirm that, that he wants that. Mm-hmm. The only reason I even found out about this, a bunch of fans started messaging me, you got invited back on Town. So I was like, come on, that's so awesome. I was like, 
finally I get to just do something else besides scumbag Vinny, you know, like I get to evolve on their show. Like, I don't care if I'd be a whack packer with them. I really like the show. I like them. And I was like, all right, you know, I could, I could see, I could see being a guest once a year even and having like to be able to make a living on my own, not scamming fans, but doing shows. And dude, I would, I've done shows in Orlando and tons of come town fans have shown up tons of them. For you sure, know, just, just so, on that alone, just on those yeah. two episodes. And BAM fans, been... and BAM fans, Artie yeah, yeah, fans, yeah. you know, a lot of people. So I want to continue to grow that and actually have a chance at real redemption, which is to stop all the sketchy shit I've done in the past, you know? Is that the goal, to leave you scamming people in the past and just, yeah, just, dude, be, I mean, just be Vinnie Beetle? Dude, the truth Excuse is, me. like, when you're raised around people that teach you how to be a certain way, you truthfully think like most people are like this. And then you find out not a lot of people are like this. So you don't want to necessarily be like that. But at the same time, it kind of comes second nature to me. I don't even want to say I have remorse for everything I've ever done. I do have remorse for some things I've done, some things I know I had to do to get where I wanted to be. And that's just the way this business works. It's an unfair business. Comedy is a fucked up business. I did comedy since I was 17 years old. I have produced shows since I was 17 guys uh, in Connecticut, like Pat Oates have blocked me from any kind of real success only because I produced my own shows and had a large following in New Haven, Connecticut. And that's, he ran a comedy club there. And so like, they only used me on like Thursdays or Sundays or places that times yeah, that bullshit I could fucking that I, I'm bringing more people than they do on their weekends. And it mm-hmm. started like that and evolved into many things. So when you get fucked over for so long and you're an Italian kid who doesn't give a fuck, you start to say, well, I'm going to start doing the fucking a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it becomes an evolution of that. And it's not excusable, but it's just the truth. I was a kid when I started. I wanted it to go the way it goes for everybody, but it didn't go for me that way, you know? And I had to fight for everything I ever did in my career. I had to fight for and do on my own, you know? Mm-hmm. So, 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 so with Nick, like, um, what's the be? Do you want to fight him? What's the deal with that? I just feel disrespected because I don't have any kind of following, you know, Steve-O's got, millions of people that follow sure. him everyone knows steve-o steve-o is also a fucking hey, real quick Vinny, funny story i saw when i went i was in uh i'm an ex-addict myself when i was in rehab in los angeles i saw steve-o at a meeting really oh yeah dude i was like fuck it's fucking how Steve-O. did how was he in real life was he cool or? i didn't really i didn't meet him i didn't really like, I mean, did he speak or anything he went up and spoke he just did yeah. typical fucking AA I'm Steve-O, bullshit. yeah but um yeah that was just bizarre like i seen him and um i also saw um robert downey jr at a oh that's meet. awesome when you're Iron in Man? la Dude, you're in LA, you'll be there with like a homeless guy, a hundred other people, and then like a mega millionaire celebrity will be in like some church somewhere. Like I did like 30 days in in rehab out there. So basically, so basically the whole beef, the beef, the real beef with Nick right now comes down to like, you know, obviously if he wanted me on, he'd have me on. So he doesn't want me on the show. I know that. Uh, He wants Steve-O to come on, which Steve-O's only opinion of me, he's never met me, is you know, him trying to stop Bam from going to do these shows because he thinks Bam won't do meth that way. But I think it's because Steve-O's comedy shows don't sell as many tickets as ours do. So he doesn't want, and we also have the same people going to our shows that we do with Steve-O's shows. Sure, so, it's the same fans. Yeah. yeah, so he doesn't want, you know, people paying a hundred bucks to see Bam, then they can't afford to go see Steve-O. You know what I mean? So, yeah. right, and there's that's a big deal, I guess. So, you know, I just know that 
of course it would give me the same recognition I've had for a while, but I'm sitting here currently trying to change all that. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it doesn't allow me to let it go. Number one, number two, it's not fair unless he lets me come on afterwards and is willing to like openly say that number three, he doesn't really owe me anything, but at the same time, as a man, if you're going to try to bully me on the internet with people, you guys are super famous dudes. We could just meet like men and just fucking sort this out. You're fucking, you've been fucking doing pushups and sit-ups in your fucking house for six months I have nothing left to lose. Mm. I know I know where he lives. I don't give a fuck anymore. It's everyone knows where he lives. I have his address. He gives Dude, it out to everyone. <laughs> look, I was there before. I'm not afraid of the guy. I, I don't think it's funny. I don't think he had Let me any ask you this. How much it. how much uh, sorry to interrupt, but how much taller are you than Nick? Because Nick's a short guy. So Nick, the funniest thing I say about Nick is that when I first met him at Jeans, he he was before he was big, right? But you know when people start lifting, and oh, before it. he was shredded, like yeah yeah, 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 dude. But he was puffed out. He puffs out. He comes like this. He'll come talk to you like this, and I'm like, settle down, little guy. You know, yeah, like yeah. like I got some tough friends that are small dudes, and I'm not saying he can't fuck me up. But little like, guys have to give off that vibe, though. They, bro, he's they got all such. He's got such a little guy syndrome. Why do you think he doesn't? He stays in his house, man. He he's always from the neck here. He's always like this. I mean, he's probably four, three to five inches shorter than me. And you he's know, like what five, six, five between five seven. five and five seven. I'm he's five a short nine. Guy, man. Yeah, he's a short. Guy. And I got a lot of weight on me. I'm not worried about shit, man. I fought a lot of times in my life. I You're also in Florida. He's in New York. And what I are got, the odds? You're actually gonna scrap. You know what I mean? Like you're gonna. Oh, Vinny's frozen. I'm not frozen. Oh, there you go. You're back. You saying that there's no chance of that? I no, no, no. I'm saying what are the like? I'm not saying you wouldn't scrap. I'm saying what are the odds that you're gonna let's be? Just in say, let's just say. Let's just say. He's gonna come out of his house and be like, let's have a fair one. Dude. Let me just say how you know I, mean? I how how deep into this I am. If Steve-O goes on that show and it's I get the same reaction I did after the Gene episode, I'll be outside his house with a. Tent. It's on site. Okay. It's, I'll be you outside heard his house. The offensive first. It's on site if he gets I, trashed by Steve-O. And, it, and it's not even on site. I'm on a plane. I'm on a plane. Ooh, I'm, quarant blue, dude. I'm quarantining outside of the house. I know that JetBlue flight from Florida up to the Northeast, dude. It's three hours, dude, real quick. <laughs> That's it. That's it. I could <laughs> be there. For, I could be there for dinner. You know dude, what I mean? And I, Nick's one of my fucking favorite dudes in the world. And uh, it's just, it's funny to see like you having like, you know what? I'm going to go fuck up Nick Mullen. <laughs> well, dude, right. I know he's funny. I actually like him, but you know what? He's every, awesome, talk, every talk we've had is, Oh, you're a scam artist, but I'm better than you at it, you know, and um, you got to learn from me and this and that. Wait, but this is him saying this to you? Yes, of course. I mean, he's a pretty good scam artist as far as charging five bucks a month to talk about cum, but it's hilarious. You know what I mean? And but he's like, you got to learn from me and this and that, but he never showed me any genuine like care to have like me like be involved in any other way than. Dude, Nick's like a fucking, he's from what I, li I've listened to hundreds of hours of this kid. He is like just a, a, a shut in type dude you know he surrounds himself with like a couple of friends maybe and, and that's about it you know what i mean it's i like, don't think he understands the power of his voice so you know i put my phone number on the internet after the gene episode and i received over i received over twenty thousand calls in a month <laughs> I bet you like 19,000 would come down. You know that day. like as a comedian, there's no 
shying away from this. Like I can't go get a job at Margaritaville and post one of their flyers and not have a cum boy say, go kill yourself. Yeah. You know, so kill yourself. Did you ruin that one episode? I didn't like. Yeah. Because yeah, it was yeah, the yeah. fucking Jeffrey Epstein episode that they wanted Nick to go off on. I was the, that was the scumbag Vinny episode. Oh, was that right? When what he got arrested or when he, no, killed when himself? he died. Yeah. That was right. When that. he killed him. Oh, like yeah. air quotes, air, excuse me. Air quotes killed himself. Um, so, I mean, look, so it's on site with Nick. If he trashes you more, that's basically what you get. Just keep my name out of your mouth, man. You don't want me to have anything to do with the show. I you're like, you can only push a guy who's losing it so far, man. You know what I mean? Like before you go full Joker on him, dude. That's it, dude. (laughs) That's it. That's it. All right. So that's it, dude. With, with Nick fucking, um, there's also like, there's also like shit written about me that I've like already killed Adam and stuff. So like, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't even be a real suspect for like three months. They'd probably just read everything online about me and be like, Oh, it's hard to cancel a guy that's already got all this shit written about me online like that. I mean, Oh dude. Yeah. You're like, it's, you're already, you're not canceled, but it's like, you can't cancel scumbag Vinny. He was never like, you were always, you were always in that gray area as far as like, you're not going to be on fucking the the late night shows. You're not going to fucking, you know what I mean? Exactly. You you never even had the opportunity, but that's fine, dude. It's like, you want to know actually a cool story. I, I was running shows at Broadway comedy club in New York for a few years. Yeah. And, uh, John Reinman, who used to write for The Tonight Show, uh, was my headliner every night for like three months. And every I was there like once a week. And I would always throw him a few extra bucks. And he was a really nice guy. And uh, he thought I was funny, but he also knew I wasn't like late night material. And that was the moment yeah. I knew that because he had invited somebody for an audition in front of me in the green Ooh, room. But yeah. then looked at me and was like, you take my card as well, but you really need to work on what we're looking for. You know, it was like, yeah, there's a certain like thing you have to do. Yeah, you have to yeah. follow the structure. Like, there's and it's no like, fucking doing that. Yeah. They don't want me going on TV and shooting the host like the Joker did. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, there's so many fucking good comedians that would never be on late night television. You know what I mean? That's just, and that thing's dead anyways. Bro. I know. I know. TV I know. in general is fucking dead. But you know what? At 17, when I started, I had a bunch of guys in their 30s and 40s teaching me comedy. So, you know, it's always that connection I have to the, you know, getting the pass to the couch. And mm-hmm. I feel like I'm one of those last young dudes that experienced that, you know, hearing the stories and, you know, who, who sure. got to do it. And so you're joke. hearing from guys 20 years older than you, whatever that they're, Oh, you got to get on uh you know, sometimes even, Letterman. 30, sometimes even 30 and 40 years older than Yeah. 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 I got to get on Letterman. Vinny. <laughs> that'll, that'll get you. Yeah, exactly. It's not that you'll anymore, make it. Though. You'll make it to the top. You know? Yeah. 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 It's not that well, I think that's why I think it's why a lot of Connecticut comics really started hating me when I got on Come Town because to them that was the Tonight Show, you know. Seriously, Come Town's fucking huge. I mean, it's <laughs> not David Letterman, but in this in this day and age, in twenty, wasn't you around twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen, something like that? Yeah, twenty nineteen. Yeah. I mean, dude, these guys have hundreds of thousands of people. I listen. had no idea. Nick he, told me 10,000 10, people listen. I'm like, that's good, man. Maybe you know? back then, maybe. They, I mean, no, they weren't that big. He, dude, he told me their numbers when the, he really told me the numbers. And I was seriously like to know that possibly a million people have heard about me is fucking awesome. A mil- you know uh, I mean? For sure, a million people or more or have heard, heard me. your name. And every day I get new messages. So do I really want to fight Nick? No, I'm mad right now. He gave me something I will have notoriety forever. I do love him and thank him for that. I just wish he would understand that Go I do have- patch it up with Nick, dude. Dude, Go but there's no talking up. to him, man. He, he completely celebbed up. Completely untouchable. Can't 
get in contact with him. I have 60,000 on TikTok. I even started threatening him on TikTok, you know, like, <laughs> like, like answer me, bro. You know, How I many tried TikToks Nick got. Yeah, 20,000. He's, he's a son. He's Ooh. a little son to me, dude. He's a little son to me. Vinny's crushing Mullen on TikTok because I, I got few, the I'm not on so, there, but I seen the clips on Twitter of him. I got a demographic from like eight to twelve years old. So, you know? <laughs> that, that's TikTok, dude. You're nailing it. You want to know the truth though? My TikTok following, even though it's a kids app, is a lot of older people because the BAM hashtag. Buddy, my mom is on TikTok. Yeah, I don't have it. My wife doesn't have it. I'm 28. You should get it because it is good to promote your shit, man. I've gotten a lot of views. Dude, on my, my mom is on Boomer Alt Right TikTok. It's <laughs> hilarious. She just sits there scrolling through. Like <laughs> she's fuck. probably seen me. Maybe she's seen me on there. Maybe, dude. I mean, it's crazy. I watch her scroll through it, and I just I don't get it. I don't. Know. I think it's... I think if you'd ask her the hashtag Scumbag Vinny, it's got like three million views. I'll hit her up. Hashtag. I'll be like, Yo, follow Scumbag Vinny. <laughs> oh, dude, I would love that. I'd follow back immediately man yeah, I, I really dude. would well yeah. she's not she's not like Fenz's mom on fucking TikTok. <laughs> i just but, follow back i'll just follow back any old lady i see for like yeah just days. some old broad yeah. from boston just <laughs> screaming about the democrats but um nah, so yeah, me, right. yeah, hopefully so me i, I hope you can patch up with nick because yeah. i like both years now let me ask you this my buddy chuck works at um the stress factory in bridgeport so oh, Connecticut guy works there, said you were fucking persona non grata in the Connecticut scene. Obviously, you have scumbag Vinny everywhere. You fucking, you know what I mean? That's like your thing. Yeah. You've got a beef with Pat Oates. I used to have beef with Pat Oates. And Come I on. actually did. I think it was episode. It's not on my new YouTube because I just quit and took some of the episodes. Two or three of offensive that I did with Ski Mask. And it was 60 minutes of me just destroying Pat Oates' life. Now, <sighs> since then, he took it. I mean, I did a whole hour about just shitting on this guy because he was trashing my buddy, Ski Man. He was trashing my co-host, you know? Oh, wow. So he made like two or three snide comments about da 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 this, that, and the other. So I was like, fuck this guy. He's a fucking, you know, whatever. So I did a whole hour <laughs> just destroying this guy's life. And he took it very well. He never came after me. He never did a rebuttal. He's good at doing that. You he know, never did anything. I was very shocked because I did the same thing with Chad Zumok and we're at war. The difference with me is I'm so vicious and I know real things about him that he, he won't respond to me sometimes. You want to know the truth? He actually did uh, about 60 straight episodes of his podcast where he would start it by saying I owed him $200 because a show canceled that he was supposed to headline and he needed the money to feed his children really, really badly. Bucks. Come on, and, Patty. Dude, when I ran my own comedy club in South Windsor, just to, just to, it was years later, years later. I paid him like $400 to headline the first show for like 40 people just to, I didn't even like him just to fucking say, you know, a show canceled. It's not like I rebooked somebody else. It was a mistake. Yeah. And you went trashing me for months. Let me tell you something. Not even that. I took his job at Joker's Wild as the manager there at one point, you know? Ooh. And yeah, I mean, we, had, we go super way back. We did a show. I did a show at Foxwoods once I had like 30 or 40 people show up and he, he said it wasn't enough. And he threw me off the show. All my people left. Like we have like deep rooted history. So you I, got beef going way back in wait, the Connecticut dude, days. Literally 13 years. I've done a lot of fucked up shit in comedy. I started as a 17 year old with tan skin and spiky hair and a bunch of friends. And I thought I was a fucking badass. And I did. And I still up until my mid twenties, did some really fucked up business decisions, but I also did a lot of great shit for comics in Connecticut. You can do a good thing for somebody and they might tell five people you do something bad to somebody. They might tell a thousand people. That's a fact, so, dude. You know, 
when you've done comedy as long as I have in Connecticut and I produced probably over three to 400 shows, I was producing like three to five shows at once a week in Connecticut. I was giving comedians opportunities other places. Of course, there's going to be beefs come up. I actually uh, basically scouted out the stress factory managerial job three years in advance by driving to New Jersey like three times a week and going to the stress factory and talking to Vinnie Brand and telling him, you know, I'm going to manage you. I'm going to manage this club one day. I'll move to New Jersey. I don't give a fuck. Let me produce shows here. This and is he before goes, the Bridgeport one. This is way before. And he yeah, said, yeah, yeah. I'm opening a club in Connecticut in a few years. Stay patient. And uh, when he opened the club, they weren't bringing in any comedians or anybody yet. But I was so eager that I actually went to the audition where they were interviewing like waitresses and waiters and whatnot. And so there was like 100 people there to interview for like staff positions. Mm -hmm. And uh, my wife was waiting in the car and we were putting quarters in the, the machine. And I was in there for six hours waiting. And they purposely left me in there because they wanted to see I wasn't supposed to come that day. And they wanted to see if I was going to crack and just leave or not. And I stayed there the entire time. And then, and then Vinnie Brand goes, is Vinnie Beatles still out there? And I said, you know, yeah. And I came in, I sat down with all his managers. True story, dude, never going to forget this. They looked at me and they said, you have some kind of tenacity we've never seen in our entire lives. You are from this area. We want this club packed. You tell me what you need to do this job and it's yours. And I told them, I didn't want to insult them because I ran my own production company. So I will email them the next day with my offer. I told Vinnie Brand I wanted $1,000 a week plus commission on ticket sales that were sold. Yeah. And I had, I had also been working in fi car finance at the time. So I'd have to leave two Hey, jobs. I'm in the car business too. Hell yeah, brother. Yeah. I mean, I did that since I was a kid. So, you know, like I, I, know, I know my business. You're a true scumbag if you're yeah. car finance. And then me too, brother. I started brother. selling cars when I was 15. I started I selling, started selling cars. cars when I was 17, brother, right uh, out of high school. Yeah, bro. You got a wheel and deal. Man. in the business. Pouring Lucas in the fucking oil fucking. Oh, oh car. Yeah, we, <laughs> me and Vinny live in the gray area. Dude. Yeah. We, we don't lie, but we this don't necessarily story, tell the truth. But dude, this story gets. Story. This story gets so really keep, fucking keep good. Going. And I will so, say this for the record on the Pat Oates thing. Me and Pat Oates, we never really like a I, I never apologize. Dude, we're giving him so much recognition right now. The guy's a nobody. Fuck the guy. I like, was just I on mean, his podcast, man. Oh, you he, were? It, no, no, no. And I'm not saying like he's this or that. He's somebody who's nobody. Because my whole hour was he's nobody of the thing. But he took it so well that I, I have You kind of got but, over it. Yeah. Nothing but respect. For, like he literally was just, he just took that 60 minutes and was yeah. just like, yeah, dude. Well, whatever. look, let me just tell you one thing. Here's the kind of, listen, ahead, here's the kind of guy Pat is. And you have to understand this. I did bringer shows at comedy clubs in Connecticut. Pat's the kind of guy to hire an old man to run bringer shows and, and, and tell people that I'm a piece of shit for running bringer shows. And he's the one that's really running the bringer shows. He just puts an old man there. He sublets to, it out to some goodies. Yeah. And I fucking know that. And that's what I don't, you know what I mean? And he I'm tells sure. people and that's how he gets them to do his shows. So look, it's, we're all in the game. And we, we were in a part at one point, me and Pat were in competition for a lot of years. I don't really hold any resentment toward the man. I do say fuck him. But at the same time, I believe even my fuck ups and all the shit that happened, I made it to a level he may never get to. And I don't care what the fuck he says. So I'm kind of okay with that here inside like me. Sure. I know that through everything he tried to block me from getting, I ended up getting that and more anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. and you know what? Anything as a kid coming in, I was bringing in 150, 200 people a show sometimes, 50 people, 100 people. It was very consistent. You would think he would try to harness that into something that would have that comedy club still open to this day. No, but instead, he basically wanted me to not be there at all. You know, so, I mean, dude, I got banned like four times from Joker's Wild Comedy Club growing up in my That's teens done. and early that place 20s. That gone, right? 
gone, dude, gone. And it's like, anytime I was in there, we're making money, you know, now to move on from that guy specifically into more into what we were talking about with the stress factory. Sure. Um, you know, so I ended up, you know, getting the job and, uh, they laughed at what I had wanted for a salary, but they, you know, Vinny had said like, we'll work on it, you know? Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't know what we're working on. You know, it's either a yes or a no, you know? And he's like, look, I need you. I need you right now. So then I go to helping him construct the club. Right. So for like two weeks, I'm really not doing too much, but I'm screwing in chairs. I'm trying to help sweep up and shit, but I'm like, I got to promote this fucking Jim Brewer show that we have opening weekend, you know? So I asked them for like what I was going to use promotional wise. And they gave me like one mail carrier box full of stuff and said to get it done. And I went out and I left it at a bunch of places, but I mean, you can only do so much with that. And from New Jersey, they were supposed to bring everything up printed, but they never, they never did that again. So I basically went three weeks working at the club, stopped my productions at other places, what I was doing and not taking a paycheck and leading up to the show, Basically what happened is Mark, the manager of the stress factory, didn't want me there anymore. Wanted me out because he didn't, he wanted to be the manager there. He had worked 15 years to get that spot. Yep. This and that, you know, he's still there. Right. If I know, I, don't, I guess so. The I first thing that name sounds familiar because my buddy Chuck works there or yeah. worked there or works there. And long, long and short, familiar. long but and short of it is Mark. I'm outside talking to two dudes. I invited to the Jim Brewer show and they happen to be like 400 pound guys, but they're really just nice dudes. And Mark's like Vinny's outside with these big guys waiting for me to come out. But these guys were like sweethearts that really had no idea who Mark was, but he was telling Vinny, you know, that I was intimidating him and all this stuff. And dude, Jim Brewer really liked me. They didn't like that. Jim Brewer's manager, I parked his car for him. They didn't like me doing that. They didn't like me helping customers that needed drinks when nobody was helping them. They Anything I did, they were like, so the next day, Vinny calls me and he starts yelling at me and Vinny Brand's like, dude, if you don't listen to what the fuck I say, you're fucking out of here. Three weeks, no paycheck, telling me I need to wash dishes for him. I said, I quit. I said, yeah, I, politely, you, buddy. I politely declined, my friend. Yeah. You know, I was like, at the time too, as well, I just left Atlantic City. I was doing like a little residency there, working down there for a while, which made me a lot of money. And then I had worked as a manager uh, for an actor who was in an Adam Sandler movie at the same time working with Vinny. So I just didn't feel the need, even not having Bam or Artie yet, I didn't feel the need to have to like, wash dishes at this guy's place, go get, I'll get you someone to do that. What the fuck? You know, like that's the kind of guy I am. And you know, when Vinny didn't pay me, I ended up leaving there going to open my own place. And me and him had a lot of fights because I would talk shit about the club a lot and like what they did. But at the same time, he had a lot of hungry comedians going for a job. And that was the opportunity for them to speak up and say, Vinny's a piece of shit, you know? And that was when all the stories came out of the woodwork real or not, you know? So that's where you get that. But the legend of me has truly outgrown anything I've ever done, which I love actually, you know, but Vinny brand never paid me those three weeks salary until um, Pete Davidson uh, went to his club to do a show and walked out because when he canceled. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Well, when he did that, I actually know Pete started when he was 16. I was 17. We met at Joker's wild. And then we met in our mid our early twenties when he had already made it. And we had smoked a bunch of weed at the stress factory. He was super cool. We took pictures. I'm still friends with Dave Sears to this day. I talk to him all the time. Yeah. And Pete is a great dude, you know, like he's super famous rock out. He's a great guy. You know, like I, I, I'm mad respect for him. The guys in AC who helped me out know him since he started too. So I, I had connections to him kind of, and I basically contacted everybody I knew that knew Pete and said, Pete was willing to throw a free show for any Connecticut fans that wanted to say, fuck the stress factory. I said, no charge. Don't want any money. I'll get you the venue, 300 seats. It's yours, you know? And at that point, Vinny brand was calling me and like, dude, are you really going to do this? And I was like, yeah. And then uh, I basically told like their guys, I'm like, yo, if you could tell Pete, like, 
you know, to hang on, not even say he's going to do it with me, but not say he's not going to do it with me. I might be able to get paid from Vinny and uh, Vinny, you know, apologized, sent me a check and, you know, damn. Yeah. So, so it's fucking Vinny cave, Vinny brand caving. Boss, wow. boss moves, son. Dude, Vinny was a. a but Vinny and me have, 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 we have completely peace. Like we're peace, you know. Like me and yeah. that guy, we've talked on the phone. He's like an well. abrasive guy, like Dude, as far crazy, as working crazy. with him. Because I'm a big misery. Do you know Kevin Brennan at all? I'm a big misery loves company fan. And Vinny was like a kind of co-host for a little interim there. Pretty and sure that guy hates me, but yeah, I like him a lot. Kevin I Brennan. Yeah. I don't know. I think he hates me. Kevin probably hates me. I canceled his Patreon because Chad Zumox is co-host. So even though I'm in like oh. a group, even though I talk to him, I bet with him, I fucking I'm in a group chat with him. He probably fucking hates me too right now. But well, I know he loves Artie. I know he loves Artie and anybody. Well, he loves him but hates him at the yeah. same time. I don't know if that's a bit where he tra- I mean, dude, he literally at one point because you know Artie's suicide story where he stabbed himself or whatever. I was at the show at Mohegan that he canceled. So, okay, so you know very well. Well, then so at I was one a kid, point, but yeah, when yeah. Adi was at compound, Kevin showed up to Kumia's show when, when Adi was co hosted and brought a bottle of bleach and was like, Here you go, Adi, fucking finish it. I know that, yeah, you know the story. So, like, I, I don't know that. if that's a bit or they, they're cool, it's not they're, a bit, it's not yeah. a bit, but Artie is a very forgiving man. Oh, a for sure, he seems like it. He, he's, he, he's the best guy I ever met in comedy, man. Man, now, have what was the last time you contacted him? Have you been in touch? He's a fucking ghost at this point. I became his manager, and he he was really fucked up at the time, but it makes it impossible for me to be around him now because he wants me around him, but his manager does not because there's fear that I'm sure he feels like I'm not. I don't think he's threatened by me because Tom Nietzsche is his manager, and the guy manages countless celebrities and owns comedy clubs and this mm-hmm. and that. And he's doing a great job with Artie now, I think. But I just feel like you lose your guy, your job to a guy, you never know if it could happen again. He okay. thinks I was. He thinks I was the guy getting Artie drugs. Again, we've talked I've heard about that. This. Someone told me to ask you if you've got Artie heroin, and it doesn't. No, seem no, 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 no. What no, you're no. saying? No, no. I do believe he's gotten cocaine at a couple of my shows that he's been at. You know what I mean? Like sure. from fans or something. Yeah, never heroin. He wasn't doing heroin when he was with me. Actually, you know, he was just. Oh, he's just a blow guy. Doing so much of it though. That is. Oh yeah, there's so many stories going back to the Mad TV days of him with the fucking pig nose ripping yeah, off no, a he, pig he nose. Yeah, no, he definitely was recovering from heroin, but he figured if he was just on coke, he can get it out of his system in time to go to court. That was his whole thing. You know what I mean? That's not a bad move though. I mean, if uh, you're gonna pick one or the other, I mean, you're probably more likely. Dude, to you want to know the truth? I mean, I love him to death. I really do, and I hope me and him could could really do some stuff together in the future. But Bob Levy at the time and, and Artie were running together, running pretty hard when I met Artie, you know? So those were the guys that were really running hard as far as that goes, you know? Yeah, like, dude, Bob's my fuck. I Bob's fucking been, love Bob. I've met, Bob's I've, been I know on the road with him though person. for 20, but Bob's been on the road for about 25 years. So know? they would so, do it. Yeah, but Bob's not a fucking heroin guy though. No, no, I think he's a little, cold, you know. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes Maybe sense. he was, maybe he was. I don't know. I'm not, listen. I, I mean, know I was, I'll say it. Yeah, I mean, everyone, all my fans I'm know not, I was back I'm a weed head, man. I'm a weed head, but. Uh, I did go through a lot of stressful situations with Artie where I had to make sure he had money every day or he wasn't going to make it to the show on the weekend. I know oh, for sure, doing. man. I mean, as an ex-addict, like say, say when I was in the, the midst of my fucking addiction, let's say six years ago, probably. If I was a touring comedian like Audie Lang, if I didn't have heroin, I was not doing that show. Really? Yeah, yeah. You, that's know, what you know what I'm saying? Like, say like, shit. Well, was it? He would just say he you physically really couldn't. Fit. You physically yeah. feel like you had. And I'm not going to say what he did yeah. and what he didn't because sure. he, he actually just was home alone most of the time, doing whatever he wanted. Just by chilling himself. at the apartment, ripping so, my bread. Yeah, <laughs> so Artie, though, uh, actually, when he got out of jail, it was like a year and a half in, in, in rehab and all that. 
you know, I had no contact with him whatsoever, but Andre Kim, who's a good friend of mine. Yeah, I know, yeah, I've seen him on gas. Yeah. Andre, yeah. who's a good friend of mine, uh, basically was like with Artie one night and Tom, his manager was there and Artie was acting like nothing. He had, Cause Andre was our driver. So Andre was with us every night. And so Andre, he was acting like Andre, like nothing happened from the past. And then when Tom, like walked away already grabbed his shirt and said, give me Vinny Beatles fucking number right now. And it wasn't for what you think. He just called me uh, to say, thank you for, I put money on his books when he was in jail. And I tried oh, to, no handle his, I brought him to court. I tried to handle his business the best I could while I was his manager. Um, but he so was, like, you were beefing with his new manager. That's why yeah. it's like, it's like an ex-girlfriend. Like you yeah. gotta wait till the new one leaves. Like, Hey, what's yeah. your number again? I was yeah. at one point I was talking to Artie's mom and sister every single day and we had a good relationship. And they were a big part of his life, man. He yeah. always talks about his mom and his sister. Yeah, I was talking to them every day. And then, you know, uh, Tom ended up getting back in the area that I was no good or something. I had this idea to make Artie t-shirts to support him while he was in jail. Cause his mom really needed money. And she would tell me that all the time. And we sold a bunch of t-shirts and the guy just used that to explain to them that I was trying to make a lot of money off Artie at the time, but Artie gave me permission to do it before he went to jail. And that's what we talked about when he got out. I did apologize for fighting with his manager and, 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 you know, not communicating with his mom after they had kind of dubbed me, you know what I mean? Sure. And I said, you know, I apologize for that. And he said, let's get a steak dinner sometime. And he wanted me to come to the stress factory, but his manager had called Vinny brand so many times. Vinny called me and said, Hey kid, I paid you. You know, can you please just stay away from this one? And and I was like, dude, Artie wants me there. I'm going to go. And then uh, they must have told Artie they weren't going to do the show because Artie called me and he was like, let's leave it to another time, you know? And I was like, all right, it's fine. So, I mean, I had stories with the guy that still are, are going to be in my book and experiences with him and talks with hey, him. You don't want to burn him on my fucking podcast. No, I dude, say he's, so much. Well, I always tell the truth. And you know, the bottom line is, and I told this to Artie, I said, no matter what, I am a real guy. And that's why he really liked me because he told the truth on his radio shows back in the day. He didn't fucking fabricate shit. And I don't no. know. And even, even in his embarrassments, he didn't fabricate it. So I think that sometimes he listens to people on the radio and he knows like they're fugazi and shit. So I always said to myself, even when talking about him, if people don't like what I'm saying, like at the, it's what happened. It's what happened. So yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Me and Artie, I think we're good in here. Like the guy, me and friends. I don't know if I'll ever be around him again. I did open for him a few times. I had some amazing nights. There were even shows I didn't even get on. So when people say I did it to like go on stage, there were shows I was like, okay, there's no room for me. I'm just gonna do the business. You know what I mean? Yeah. But he did give me opportunities to get on stage, and I always did well. Would I get on stage as this, you know, this evolving scumbag character that was like, you know, where can I find Artie Coke and do jokes like that? Yeah, but they, they were loving it. You know, like the people really liked that content while we were performing. Um, Artie would almost look at me after every show, like, you coming to hang out with us? And I would always be like, no, you know? Yeah, dude, I'm going to go chill and smoke a blunt. I'm not but, fucking... But we had this yeah. connection where he would not go to any show at some point unless I drove him there. He just loved me driving him and talking to him. And 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 he always off. He actually offered me a few auditions at the Comedy Cellar, which I did not take. You know, I didn't feel like I was comedically ready. And he was so grateful for all this money I was getting. Sometimes I would give him money that wasn't his and he'd have to pay me back, you know, because he was like, Vinny, if I am not good today, I am not going to even answer the phone come Friday, you know, sure. Yeah, to yeah. pay me back. He showed up to every single show when I was in control of that. And he even made up some uh, canceled shows after he was clean with Tom, like not that. Oh I yeah, that's right. It. He, he kind of pulled the bam and canceled some shows like, yeah, you know, day cost or, me some money too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah. he went to jail when he did that. Sure. You yeah. know, it was always uh, something. 
yeah, it's always some shit going on, but Artie is is a good dude. He's got a good heart, and I wish him well and hope he lives a long life, man. I mean, yeah, me I too, feel man. like I feel like I'll be able to tell those stories to my like grandkids or even when I'm older, tell younger comedians. And 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 he's a legend. He's like Babe Ruth to me, you know. So he's I, a complete. Like, he even looks like fucking Babe Ruth, some fat does. fucking Ginzo. <laughs> <laughs> and he did he did he did two shows for me in Connecticut. Oh, no more than that, but. He did two at my comedy club in Connecticut and all my yeah. friends from high school, all my beer league friends, all the kids I grew up with came. And uh, so and he he's made- a fucking legend, dude. Like even people that don't on into the comedy world who don't know the intricacies no. of it, they know Audie Lang yeah. from mad TV, from the Stern show, from whatever he, he yeah. from dirty work, whatever the yeah. fuck it is. Yeah. And I hate to talk about these things, but I feel like my truth is the only way for people to decide for themselves. Like people have asked me, why are you well, doing not, with the Adi? That's not like breaking news. Everyone knows yeah. how fucked up he was. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, well, I think that's why band people hired me. I think they were like, if he could, you knew how to man manage a fucking out of control, fucking drug addict. If there's yeah, anybody dude. out there, that's a celebrity that's looking for somebody to do damage control. I'm in, I'm in. Yeah, I'm looking if forward. you're listening, any celebrities with substance abuse, abuse <laughs> issues, Vinny Beatles in Orlando, Florida somewhere. <laughs> well, he actually bam canceled a Kumia show and uh Kumia. I oh, that's what you're we gonna say. Yeah. So what happened with the fucking Kumia thing? We that was the that? day of the New York City show, but Bam was getting drunk and uh he knew he had a radio show, he was super drunk and he grabbed this lawyer guy that he was talking to at the bar and he just drives to what I thought was Kumia. So I drive to Kumia by myself and I walk in the studio and Bam's not in there. And you just hear on the radio, they're like, Well, Bam's people are here and they're looking for Bam, so that can't be good, you know, and and they're like, wait a minute, isn't that the same kid that was with Artie? And they're like, Jesus, this kid. And that's what really fucked me because they're like, this, this kid's, kid's like a managers of the junkies, dude. They called me, well, Kumi called me the kiss of death. <laughs> <laughs> Did he, what, on the show? Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, man, it was so funny listening to, I mean, not funny, but like listening to Kumi when it was the Audie and Anthony show back in the day. I mean, he would literally be like, I got to take a piss every 30, 40 minutes. 30 minutes, yeah. Everyone knew he was just doing coke and heroin or both. It's like, Actually, Artie even told me that one day he would let, if he ever started his podcast again, he would bring me on to like, let me clear my name. What did he do? One episode, his lawyer. He did a few. He did a few. No, like recently. He did like one with letters to letters to Artie or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it was like one, a one and done thing. We actually started a thing, me and him, which was going to help people to recover. It was going to be end the party with Artie. And it was going to be like this whole he's oh, turning into like people. a recovery yeah. podcast. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that would be like bad that. from a guy like that who's fucking lived it all, you know? I didn't really see any kind of real future with these guys, but I also knew they were super famous that I would kind of live in this small window of infamy of being worked with them both back to back. Like, and not only that, I actually, yeah. How many people are going to listen to a recovery podcast is like fucking, well, the whole, the whole point junkies, the whole timeline behind my book starts when I'm 17, but from, from 2018 to 2019, I had managed a legless actor in an Adam Sandler movie who was a heroin addict who died uh, I ended up working with TJ Miller during a very rough point of his career where he was doing the Me Too movement. Pre know, or involved. post calling in the bomb threat? Post, and he, he would post work. Post calling in the bomb threat. I, I believe he worked. I believe he worked with me because he was kind of like in. We have a really couple cool stories. He's about another guy, dude. You just you love to surround yourself with these raspy voiced fucking drunks and addicts. I, I actually. I actually. TJ Miller, dude. He almost <laughs> sounds like Bam. I actually like think. Steve-o. I actually think he's really funny. I loved him as a stand-up, TJ, and I really wanted to. And he's a good actor. I, I liked him as a stand-up years ago, and he's a good actor. But yeah, like you said, he kind of got like a little woke. But then he got all. Then they were like, "Yo, fuck this guy." He called him a bomb threat. And so he's actually, he actually like 
did a really amazing show with me and I made a lot of money. And I think I, if I never worked with TJ that one time, I would never have worked with Artie Orban. So even in my toughest struggles, like TJ did cancel a show on me. And, and I always say, you, you know, like messaged me like, motherfucker, you canceled. Like, when are you going to help me? And he's like, one time he messaged me and he's like, I have no ill will towards you, but brother, I did help you. You know, like yeah. he was like, he was like, you may not see it now, but I did help you. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And that, and in hindsight, you're like, all right, Tej, you got me. Yeah, but he did actually put me on the Hoboken Comedy Festival with him. And and if I was going to do well there, I was going to go on his tour. But the guy who ran the festival threw me off. He said, you can't just know a celebrity and get on. And then TJ said, okay, I'll audition you in New York City. I want to make sure you can handle the New York crowd. And then it just never happened. So he actually did enjoy my stand-up. He did want to work with me. He said he still would one day. And, you know, I messaged him a fucking hundred times on red, but if he ever does hear this, which he's on my Facebook and shit. So sometimes I know he reads my shit. He might listen to some stuff, but I have no problems with him. You know, I just hope one day we work together again. I like him, you know, so that's where I'm going to leave that. I might tell some shit. I might say some shit, TJ, in my book. You don't like motherfucker, but that's just because you did cancel. When, so. uh, so dude, this has been fucking great. We've gone for a long time now. We'll wrap it up with that. But Vinny, when is, when do you think the book's going to come out, brother? Well, I, 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 I really want to talk to a few more people as far as if there's any interest whatsoever because of the celebrity attachment with any kind of publicist or anything like that, sure. publisher, publishing, you know, companies, but Amazon has a really great pub program to publish your own books, you know? So yeah, you could just like throw anything up there at this point. And make yeah, you could. Loot. Yeah. So it's soon, man. We're talking, I mean, I wouldn't even be talking like this, talking about it. I made the announcement on Facebook today. So I hope to come back on your show again and just within sure, the next man. coming weeks and months. Great. I mean, I, I could literally just grab three more beers and keep talking to you, but like, I mean, whatever. A, yeah. We can't do a Rogan podcast. No, you know no. I mean? Well, you can invite me on anytime, man. I would love dude, to do it. I would love that. Dude, you, I would love to pick your brain even more, bro. You, anytime. This is fucking, how many anytime. fucking stories you got, dude? We haven't even touched the threshold, man. We haven't even touched I know. I feel like it. I feel like we just we did a little intro <laughs> for each, like the Bam, the Nick, the fucking Adi, whatever, the TJ Miller even at the end. I didn't even know about TJ. I yeah, about T- the first three. TJ is really cool, man. But, you know, we could save that for another time. And, and uh, also, like, I met Adam Sandler and all his dudes, man. They gave me a lot of advice when I met them. And, and uh, you know, not really necessarily Adam, but, you know, Rob Schneider and Steve Buscemi and all these great people I got yep. to meet and work, just be around. And, and it encouraged me to want to work with celebrities and also not be afraid to be around them and stuff. So I believe I had success with celebrities because I treated them more like a normal person. So Dude, that's, that's any advice I'd give somebody. I was just going to say that, like, I've talked to what I would consider famous comedians, never a, a Sandler or a Buscemi or a Rob Schneider, because they're fucking huge outside of even comedy. I've never, I've met celebrities, but I've never like talked to them on a human level. But dude, what people have to remember is like, whether it's just a comedian that, you know, like a mid-level or high-level comedian or a, they're just fucking people. dude. I do have a story. For no an- difference. Go I ahead, will, brother. I, I, Close I, us out on a good story. So I have a story about a, a Boston. I think he's a Boston comedian. That's really What's his successful. Name? Mark Norman. No, nah, Norman's from, um, he's from um, New Orleans. He's from Louisiana. So Mark Norman was, it was a few, maybe about five, six years ago was uh, coming up and everybody was talking about him and I wanted to have him on a show. And I had booked him for a show in December. It was December and it was in New Haven and I had rented a nightclub because Pat Oates had banned me from Joker's Wild Comedy Club at the time. <laughs> and so I rented a nightclub to do the show and we had sold like maybe 50 tickets. And before the show, 
the owner of the show uh, club called me. This black dude was like, you know, we had a party last night and uh, Mike Epps actually showed up to this R&B party and did comedy for like a thousand people. He's like, and the club is so filthy. I'm going to have to charge you $1,500 just to clean the club, you know? And I was like, dude. I'm like, I don't have an extra $1,500 to pay you to clean the club. I had already agreed to pay Mark 500 bucks and we only sold like 50 tickets. Like that's all the money. Like, and maybe some people show up, but maybe not like you're fucking me here. The show's in like eight and hours. You didn't even do the Zep show. That's not your fucking, your fuck up. Is it? No, 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 no. It, it was like a, uh, this is like an urban club. So the, Mike Epps wasn't even scheduled to perform. He just no, showed up. Why would the they be like, yo, Vinny, you got to pay the fucking tab. Because that's these. what the business is, bro. When you're, wow. you know, that's what it's like. That's one. That's just one thing that's happened to me. And so I ended up contacting Mark Norman and I was like, this is going to sound weird. I said, I'll still pay you the $500, but I had to switch venues to a pub in New Haven uh, it's a small place. We could only fit 50 people. Uh, but I think after I told the venue switch, I had told Mark as well, half of the people decided they don't want to come. They want their money back, but I'll still pay you the 500. You know, I need you there. We have like 25 people coming and he elected to, you know, it was kind of sketchy. I'm not going to lie. Just texting me. It was sketchy. I didn't call yeah, him. It was yeah, all text. Yeah. And he said he didn't want to come. And then he told a story about me on the Tuesdays with story podcast. Oh but yeah. Yeah. But he didn't say Vinny Beetle, but it just grows the legend even more. And, uh, you know, like the way he talked about it, though, that time, just it just made me seem like the biggest piece of shit. And I just felt like this is a guy that's super respected. And these things, ha some things happen to me because I caused them. And then something's happened to me that I can't help. Yeah, you'll admit like, hey, dude, I fucking scam these people. Yes. Like, and that's yes. the thing with like, like I well, mean, here's the thing, too, man. Right. So ahead, like. Brother. I put the fucking money into everything I've ever done myself. And I, I've worked with tons of people in the production business as comics for years. And I felt like nobody ever worked as hard as I did unless their own money was involved. That's how I felt. So I did talk a lot of comedians yeah. to put their own money into it. And some of them still didn't work hard enough. Or sometimes maybe it fell on my end. But if you lose that way, we're losing and we're working hard together and we're going to fix it and go right. But in this business, the minute you do something wrong for someone, they want their money back. You're a scam artist. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, dude, I've been producing shows for 12 years. You know, here's pictures and videos of 200 sold out shows. And because one didn't go well, because you didn't do your part and maybe people just didn't want to come out this night. Now, all of a sudden you're going to label me as such. The other part of it was, and, and this is the thing a lot of people don't get. A lot of the people that have spoken out saying I've scammed them in the comedy business are the newer comics that don't have a lot of talent, like meaning they're not funny. So it sure. looks like I'm scamming new comics like out of their money. <laughs> yeah. But here's the deal, bro. There are some comedians, and I'm not going to say their names out of respect, that have been in this business for 20 to 30 years that have given me thousands of dollars that will not speak up and say they got scammed by me because they believe that number one, it wasn't a scam. They knew the deal. They're smart enough. They're in their forties or fifties. They understand business is not a home run every single time. Number one, number two, even if they are mad, they'd rather work it out behind closed doors. That's the only way you're really going to get any money back from me. Yeah. Number three, they felt like it was going to hurt them to be known as one of the people that was involved with this because uh, these new people were encouraged to the, the threshold. So if you had heard some of these comics, which you might even know, you'd probably say to yourself, Damn, so Vinny wasn't just like picking off new guys. He actually was talking like 20, 30-year vets into a new way of doing business, which was the same thing I had learned in 
Atlantic City. When I worked in Atlantic City, they had started a company down there run by comedians where they would sell tickets every day to tourists. And at night, the show, money split up and they do the show. And these were a lot of good comedians. I got brought in on it. I made a lot of money doing it. I performed for sold out shows every night at casinos for a few years. Amazing experience. Yeah. I went to Connecticut. We don't have walk by tourists like that. We no, have to, this isn't AC, dude. This is Connecticut. Pay, but we have to pay. But comedy clubs run at a very proficient level. Comedians could run their own clubs. We have to pay for advertising. We have to do it the right way. We have to fight through the bad times. We have to not give up. We have to, and those were things I was doing when I was building Nomad's Comedy Club. And when I brought in TJ Miller, I had, you know, these shows would already laying in TJ and Bam and stuff. I'd throw on like fucking three, four open micers at the beginning when people are sitting down, getting their seats and popcorn ready and shit. And I had thrown on veteran comics, giving them stage time and shows they never would have been on in their lives. So people can't deny they seen what I was doing was working. It's just that anytime it went bad, they bailed. Well, that's know? a good point too, dude. And like, like here's, a th- here's two, two points. Number one, you admit that you have been a scumbag and fucked people over. As I have done myself in the car business in years and years and years, this these things happen. The fact that you admit, like, hey, man, a few times I did kind of fucking pull a fast one. Like, that doesn't oh, dude, mean, that doesn't I, mean I, every single time no, no. was scumbag Vinny. No. And you there over. are a lot of times that are just made up. And I'll, I'll just say that's a fact. But also, you know, I paid back a lot of money to these people as well. That's crazy and, that you've even done that. Because yeah, as me, dude. someone like me, dude, if I fucking burn someone, there's You're no just burning chance them. I'm paying I them know, back. but at the there's time, no you got to I mean, understand. This is, my, this is behind I me. Really, I'm a, but I'm a I father really, now, but yeah. I really believe in my business model, though, man. I do believe. I also wasn't doing the same thing as you. I do believe I do believe middlemen like Vinny Brand cut all the money out of comedians' pockets. And I do believe Vinny does a lot of the work that comedians won't do. So there's a give and take with that, you know? Exactly. And so I'm trying to give comedians, I was at the time, and I still will. The truth is I've worked with a lot of great people and I have a team in Florida right now and there's only three of us, but we're doing good, man. We've only done seven shows. They've all sold out. Uh, Only place open in the country too. Great relocate. Now, did you relocate to Florida before COVID? No. It was after. Oh, I was gonna say, what a fucking great move! Before, like, like just no, but either way, great move. Move. It was a great move it's during the, COVID. But, but that would have been the like only some move. Nostradamus shit if you were like, yo, fuck this, I'm going to Disney World, and then it just turned. Well, out to it be was the kind of in the works. It was in the works anyway because Bam yeah, yeah, created yeah. this illusion that everything I love was Disney. And, you know, <laughs> Dude, I seen you with the hat on. That was it a Mickey Mouse hat. Yeah. Or some shit? <laughs> I always do shit like that. Well, dude, who's laughing now? Because New York is fucking a wasteland, bro. And and I and and we have not done as many shows as Buddy, we can. Vinny, you're from the Northeast. It right now. Let me look. It's at my like a ghost town. Yeah. Not only well, I'm in Boston. Not only is it a ghost town. It's like snowing and shit. It, no, it's not. It has snowed a couple of times. It's been a pretty chill winter. But right now, feels like negative ten in Boston. Oh my god, That's dude! I fucking, was playing. I was, and they. Well, here's my point. I was they playing golf the other day. It was eighty four degrees out. <laughs> not only, not only just the weather thing. Because I moved to Arizona. I was in Phoenix for four years before I moved home, but they got to do outdoor shows. All these comedians I know are putting up pictures of them with the little heaters and shit. It's now how about this? Now how about this? I can do outdoor shows here and it'll be on a beachfront somewhere. I mean, exactly. Yeah. Everyone will be wearing white. It'll be like a wedding. It was a good move. The only thing that was tough was like, I have a huge, I do. I have built a big following in Connecticut and stuff. So hopefully one day I'll be able to go back there for shows. And you know what I mean? A lot of them retired down to Florida. So maybe you'll fucking reap the rewards. Oh dude, (laughs) I've had people show up 
like I said, we've had people show up. It's a vacation spot. So people are always going to be here. I feel like even if I never go back to Connecticut, all my fans will see me once a year. If they all go on I wouldn't if I was you. My advice yeah. is don't. I mean, I went to Phoenix and then came back to Boston. I'd rather raise my family here. You want to know what's cool? When, yeah, when, the comedians, when the comedians in Connecticut uh, talk shit about me and, and, you know, say I'm like a swear word in Connecticut and, and this and that. A <laughs> swear word. Yeah. It actually yeah. encourages me to go back there and do a sold-out show once in a while because it still shows them like – now, do you like, think Vinny Brand, if you were like, yo, I'm going to fucking book this, that, and the other, you think he'd like, yeah. Um, we had talked about having a BAM show there, so I know he was entertaining it. I also know that. Well, if it makes I, dollars, it makes I sense I think for he him, would right? like, I think I don't want to go back to Vinny Brand until I really have that following that can prove that I could sell my own tickets. And, and I feel like I could. I mean, not like me going out and doing it or having a small local following. I'm talking about like, he could book me in Jersey and I'll sell out, you know, I'm talking sure. about like, you know, and so I feel like that may never happen, but if it does, that's when I also don't know if I want to work with a guy like that. Cause I feel like at the end yeah. of the day, like I have, I've been talking about this on my podcast before and I feel like at least, you know, I might've done some bad things, but at least I'm honest and open about it. And there are some scumbags that just are closet scumbags that and will deny it till deny till the, till the day. day they fucking die nope. or, you know, whatever. And I was raised to uh, be proud of myself, even doing some bad Italians. Like, you know, Same here, brother. put Same your chin here. up, be proud of yourself. You know, you're making money, dude. You're making yeah. money, dude. That's and it. look, my, my family, truth be told all the way back from the seventies, eighties, nineties and two thousands. Uh, we, my family, not me, but traffic drugs, buried bodies. I had family that was involved in mafia activities and FBI arrests all the way up until I was 17. My uncle got arrested when I was 17 years old. They took our car dealership away and I walked into Joker's Wild. Like that's how my career started. So no I, I really went through serious like stuff when I was a kid, courtroom appearances, just like FBI interviews, talking to cops, asking me questions about my uncle. And, um, you know, I always gone through that kind of stuff. So what I was doing truthfully, and it's just me, I might be stupid. Uh, I didn't think it was that big of a deal. I'm like, you guys are fucking relax. You know yeah, what like I mean? Chill, dude. I'm just skimming a couple G's relax. There's no <laughs> fucking bodies here. Fucking like, comedy show. But and that's the thing I don't want anybody yeah, yeah, to forget yeah. either, though, is like where I come from, even if I lose the fight, I'm coming swinging, brother. Like yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah. I mean, well, I don't know. Well, dude, well, this has been fucking great. I don't even know how long we've gone because we're not on YouTube live, so I can't see the thing, but it feels like fucking two hours. I'll promote it. Yeah, I'll promote the fuck out of it. This have is on, un, this is dude, great. And Vinny, whatever you want. Thank you. Plug, plug your shit, brother. Thanks so, for coming guys, on. Guys, anybody listening to this show, please go give me a follow on Instagram at Vinny Beetle. My TikTok's got 60,000 plus at, uh, at Scumbag Vinny. My podcast, Scumtown, look it up. It's on Apple, Google, you know, it's on a bunch of different platforms, Spotify. You could check it out. And uh, my book's coming out soon. So that's the one thing. If, if any of you enjoyed my story or want to hear more about it and you want any way to support me at all, buying that book when it comes out. Uh, we've lost with Bam, Artie, TJ, any other celebrities we work with, um, a total of uh, almost a quarter million dollars invested in my business in the last five years. Uh, getting that money back would only be 20,000 books sold. So it's not that much. You know, I know that uh, I've been an independent producer for so long. I'm even willing to do the book independently. And even if it takes a little bit longer, we're, we're positive that it wasn't a loss in funds because the trials and tribulations that I did go through were uh, made a hell of a story. And I do, I do think that people will find not only me 
uh, being about me, I think they'll find a life lesson in it somewhere. And they might, and people who do like, I, I just said this today, people who like me already, even though I do appreciate their support over a dozen years, it may make them look at me a little bit differently, but the people that really hate me or, or think ill about me, it might, it, I think it most definitely will make them look at me a little differently and probably in a good way. So it's a happy medium between, you know, yeah. fake good guy. We'll bring both together Vinny. to the same yeah. level. And then they can yeah. decide for themselves, bro. Sure. I'm already scumbag Vinny, so I can't, I got nothing to lose. You know what I mean? Exactly, dude. Uh, I appreciate it, man. Thank you very much for having bro, me Bro, Vinny, thanks for coming on, brother. Awesome, uh, thanks, I'll, Maybe I'll have you back like when the book comes out or sometime soon, dude. Anytime, dude. Anytime, I'm around. You're the man, brother. All right, thanks, brother. All right, dude.